Great to be with you, and we're today looking again at the life of David, and particularly at the place of friendship, how our relationships can be so significant in our relating to God and our relating to one another. So um, one of the scriptures that we've taken um, as a helpful guide in looking at this is that verse where it says that David was a man after God's heart. Another translation of that is that uh, he was a man chosen according to God's will, to fulfill God's purposes. And so the first scripture I want to look at today is taken from Acts, and um, it, it really helps to bring together these truths. You know, when we're looking at the Bible and trying to understand it, it's great to take scripture compared with scripture. And particularly when we can take a New Testament scripture commenting on an Old Testament scripture, it helps us to understand something of those truths. So here is the New Testament reflecting on David from the Old Testament. And it says, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. So here's this amazing tribute about David that in his generation, he served the purpose of God. He served the will of God. He was chosen according to God's will to fulfill those purposes. Now, it doesn't mean that David didn't make any mistakes. In fact, David made some devastating mistakes and failures, um, most likely more devastating than anything any of us have ever done. And yet at times, we know we struggle in our lives whether God could ever use us. But it's the fact of David's failures that even encourages us more to realize that it's possible, even when we have failed at times and made mistakes, when we've done things in disobedience to God, yet there's a potential for God to be able to forgive us and to renew us and to restore us and to serve his purpose in our generation. So that's what we're going to look at a little today is how this happened through David's friendships. We're particularly going to take the friendship uh, with Jonathan. So we're reading here um, the story from 1 Samuel 20. And uh, a little background is that uh, David, as we know, um, had that amazing incident. I suppose if for all of us, if there's one story from the Bible about David, we remember it's this amazing story when just a young lad, suddenly he faces a giant. And with just a stone in his sling, he slays this giant. And he triumphs in the face of this. Now, it's an amazing story, even more wonderful than the later story from last night where just a young girl triumphs over the U.S. Open Tour. That sense of uh, those amazing situations where someone suddenly out of nowhere, just a young person... Uh, and in David's day, it was like that. It was an amazing achievement. Now, at first, Saul himself as a king was really delighted to see the Philistines defeated as Goliath is slain. But before long, Saul becomes very jealous of David, not least because the people begin to see David as achieve even more than Saul himself, and so much so that Saul's determined to kill David. But what's happened, meanwhile, is that David has become part of the, the court of the king, as it were, and he's come to know the king's family, and particularly his son called Jonathan. And Jonathan and David have become really close friends. And they're a wonderful example of friendship, and it speaks of that friendship in such powerful words. And here is the occasion where David tells Jonathan that he thinks his father's trying to kill him. Jonathan is so shocked, and he says, no, I don't think that would be true, but... Listen to what he expresses. Then Jonathan said to David, I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, that I will surely sound out my father by this time, the day after tomorrow. If he is favorably disposed towards you, will I not send you word and let you know? But if my father 
intends to harm you, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if I do not let you know and send you away in peace. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father, but show me unfailing kindness, like the Lord's kindness, as long as I live, so that I may not be killed. And do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off one of every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan, and this is this amazing moment, who makes this kind of lifelong covenant friendship with David. Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, may the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his oath out of love for him, because he loved him as he loved himself. Father, we pray now that we may discover from, from the life of David, as we see the heart of David reflecting the heart of God, that he was a man who was chosen according to your will to fulfill your purposes, Lord. Help us to understand through our friendships, through our relationships, how we could be serving the purpose of God in this generation for your glory. Amen. Friendship is so important. It reflects the heart of God. Our relationship with God as we become a Christian is not just entering into some religious ritual of relationship. It's about a friendship, a real relationship with God. And uh, so with David and Jonathan, we see something of that heart of God reflected in their relationship. It was a kind of covenant commitment for the rest of their lives and even beyond that to kindness, support, protection and care. Now, Sadly, with human friendships, they're often um, uh, rather fragile and not always long-lasting. We, we make friendships because you, you work alongside somebody, you, you study in the same course as them, you, you go to university together or something, and for three years you're best friends, but then you're spread to the different corners of the country and you hardly ever meet each other or see each other after that, and friendship quickly gets diluted. What does it mean to know those covenant friendships? What sort of friendships do you have? What you'd call as lifelong friendships. Not because you just live next door to somebody you see them every day. Not just because you work next door. But because you've sensed a joining of your lives together and a friendship, a commitment to one another. I remember the first person I met at university. So I'm going back a long time, or 50 years as it were. And uh, I can still remember um, here at Bristol. I did my first degree here at Bristol and uh, later did um, uh, postgraduate in London. But... Uh, um, the first day, I remember a group of friends, we just, well, I say friends, we only just met each other, we were talking together, and uh, one of them noticed I had a little badge on. A little badge was a Scripps Union badge, a little lamp, as it were, and so he said to me, oh, what's the badge? And I said, oh, it's a badge that links together people all around the world that read the Bible. And suddenly a burst of laughter came from all of them, and laughter, you're here studying science, and you, you read the Bible? Oh, I said, I not only read it, but it shaped my life and changed my life, and so conversations began. And among those group was a young fellow called Martin. Martin was one of the ones with most of the questions, always, you know, wondering about the existence of God and the meaning of it and certainly struggling with the whole question of who Jesus is, etc. And so over the coming months uh, at university, we had lots of questions together. I can remember at Christmas buying him a book that I thought would be the answer to all his questions. When he came back after Christmas, he had more questions than he went away. And so it went on and month after month and uh, we shared together and uh, uh, and then in the second year, we even uh, did lots of things together. In the third and final year, we did our research project together. So we were together every day. And by this time, I had some real wonderful opportunities just sharing with Marty, become a, a close friend. Uh, 
And uh, I remember saying to Martin one day as we come into our final year, I said, Martin, you know, if you really, these are genuine questions about who God is and who Jesus is, and why don't you just seriously uh, look at the life of Jesus, even one of the biographies of Jesus, like John's Gospel. And uh, so we agreed that during our final research project, in fact, we were together every day doing this research project, we would actually read through John's Gospel together. We used a little booklet called Invitation to Live. We have used it many times, in fact, early days of high growth for all our students. I always used to, any friends they brought, we went to, before Alpha, we'd had Invitation to Live going through John's Gospel. And uh, so we explored the life of Jesus. I can still remember just the first chapter, you know, where it says John the Baptist sees Jesus coming. For the wow, the Lamb of God. And why did he call him a lamb? You know, is that because he was kind of weak and frail, just a kind of a well, poor little lamb? No, I said, because they used to have sacrifices in the Bible. It was all new to him, where they would take an animal and that animal would sacrifice and, and for the forgiveness of their sins. And Jesus was to become that sacrifice. That's why he goes on to say, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And for Marty, it was like revelation. It was also completely new. But by the end of our research project together, he became a Christian. And boy, did he become a Christian. You know, he was really keen. In fact, he eventually became a full-time church minister and led many other people to the Lord. That's over 50 years ago. But still today, I pray regularly for Martin. We still keep in touch together. And, and he's the other end of the country, as it were. He'd been through some really testing times. But what is it to have those kind of covenant friendship relationships? Who would you say in your life is that kind of deep friendship? Not just a mate that you met or somebody you met on holiday for a few weeks and they've forgotten them. What are those kind of friendships? Why I say it's particularly because it helps us to understand the nature of our relationship with God. See, that relationship with God is one of friendship. We see in a moment how Jesus used that very expression about friendship as a key to understanding becoming a Christian. It's entering into a friendship with God. Through Jesus. Now, this story of David and Jonathan has so much more to it because uh, Jonathan made David swear that covenant relationship that even when Jonathan, it wasn't just for life, but even beyond Jonathan's life, even if anything happened to him, he would always show kindness to his family. He would always protect them, watch over them. And this was an amazing friendship because, remember, there was real conflicts even within the family. Sometimes you can find even in friendships real challenges where there's conflict within family with different members of a family. Jonathan's father wanted to kill David because he saw him as a threat, not just himself, but to Jonathan himself. Jonathan was the rightful heir to the throne. And here the people were always talking about David becoming king. And, and yet this friendship was not swayed by or threatened by competition or by comparison or trying to get the you know be, be the one who's first as it were but Jonathan was committed in that friendship with David so much so that eventually Jonathan goes into battle with Saul and both Saul and Jonathan are killed in battle remember Jonathan David had sworn to him not only that covenant relationship for his life but also beyond that for his family now, Jonathan had a son, a baby boy. In fact, that day when Jonathan was killed in battle, his baby boy was only five years old. We read the story about him. He had a nursery nurse that was looking after him. When the news comes that Jonathan, his father, has been killed, the nursery nurse scoops him up in his arm because now he was in danger of his life because you know, the whole Saul's family is going to get wiped out. And so she, she begins to run for her life, just holding this little five-year-old boy in her arms. As she's running for her life, she falls. As she falls, Jonathan is badly injured, so much so 
there weren't hospital care like we had. There wasn't any 99 cook or he ends up crippled in both his feet. David has now become king. He's in a powerful position. Many of Saul's family have been wiped out. But David remembers the friendship promise he made. He made a covenant with Jonathan of friendship in which he said, I will always show kindness to your family. So he says in one day in the court of the king, he says, is there anybody of Jonathan's family that's still alive even? And Ziba, one of his servants, says, yes, there is. Jonathan had a son. His name was Mephibosheth. He's crippled. Lives almost as a recluse in a little place called Lodabar. Call him, he says. And so they call Mephibosheth. Jonathan's son, grown up now, but crippled. He comes trembling before the king, falls prostrate before him because he, he feels this is going to be the end now. I mean... It was his grandfather that was trying to kill, kill David. And, and David to me says, don't be afraid. I'm going to restore to you the whole inheritance of your father and grandfather. But why, he says, why should you even look upon or notice a dead dog like me? Oh, David says, it's more than that. I'm not only just going to restore your inheritance, but from now on, you will be seated at the king's table and I will treat you as one of my own sons. It's an amazing glimpse of grace, the grace of God. Here in the Old Testament, so based on law and sacrifice, here is this picture of God's forgiveness, the wonder of God's forgiveness, and even an inheritance he gives to us, even the fact he was to be sat, it actually says that he used to sit at the king's table. Now one of the amazing things sat around the table as the king's son is, his feet were under the table. It was almost as if it covered even his weaknesses. There was something about the grace of God in this that he was like one of his own children, his sons. See, this is the wonder of God's grace and why friendship reflects that in such a powerful way. God wants us to be in a relationship with him, which is not some distant, despotic power that we pray to, trembling, but a friendship, a relationship. Right from the early parts of the Bible, even from Genesis itself, where you see the unfolding revelation of God, there's this glimpse that actually God is looking for friendship. I often say, you know, and you've heard me say that amazing way in which our whole understanding and, and interpretation of the Bible as we go through sometimes is challenging because you're starting with a very primitive understanding of society, of people, of uh, the way society behaves, how you relate to society. So from the early days, you've often heard me say with Lamech where he says, you know, if, if you were to take justice against me for having killed your, I would kill 70 times 7 of yours. So justice was limitless vengeance now you'd think that was cruelty no they thought Lamech was the most just person on earth 70 times 70 would take and then you go on a few more chapters and you have this amazing sense where it begins to speak what we call limited vengeance an eye for an eye a tooth for a tooth you don't now take out 70 teeth you just take out one tooth you think how cruel what, you mean somebody knocked your tooth out, you knocked their tooth? No, wait a minute, this was mercy compared with limitless vengeance. And then eventually it becomes to substitutional sacrifice as a base of forgiveness. Now, if you knock their tooth out, instead of knocking their tooth out, you could take an animal sacrifice and on behalf of you there could be forgiveness. And, and so it goes on through the Bible. I'm time, but you know, come to Jesus and then with Jesus is the full revelation where now it's not just 
sacrificed substitutionally. But Jesus himself says, he is the Lamb of God. No longer we need to make an animal sacrifice. Now he's the basis of that forgiveness. What sort of forgiveness is this? Why? Jesus says, if someone slaps you on the cheek, now you don't slap them back 77 times. That's what Lamech would have done. You don't even slap them back once. What do you do then? You turn the other cheek. You turn the other cheek. And then the disciples, utterly mystified, say, but how many times would I do that? And he says, 70 times, seven times, 70 times. Wow. From limitless vengeance to limitless forgiveness. This is the wonder of God's grace. But right back in the Old Testament, from the very early chapters of Gen, it's always God's intention. It's not that God has changed. It's just a society and its perception and understanding. God has been unfolding that revelation. That's why when we read the Bible, sometimes you read the Old Testament, oh, is that cruel? You know, did God really? No, 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 no. It's not that God has changed. It's society. God was unfolding that revelation. So for Abraham, right back in the early chapter, for Abraham itself, Abraham had no children. God promises a child. He takes him outside his tent. He looks up to the stars. He says, as many of the stars of the heaven, so I'll multiply your children. Oh, it's easily possible. But it says this, as he looked up at the stars, suddenly he believed. Wow, this, this is true. It's what we call faith. And that very faith in God's promise became something that made him right with God, righteous with God. And do you know what it says? And Abraham became the friend of God. That's the expression, the friend of God. Right back from those early chapters. Right back. It was always God's intention for friendship, relationship. And as you go on through, we haven't time, but the next book of Exodus with Moses, with Moses, those moments where he set up the tent of meeting, and it says that, this amazing expression, it says, that God spoke with Moses as a man speaks with his friend. Wow. What kind of relationship is this? But this is why it's so important to understand the importance of friendship, of relationship, because it's in understanding that it affects our whole Christian life. It affects the way we pray. It affects the way we witness. See, if you come to God in prayer, as a man speaks with his friend, it's a whole different dimension to if I come somehow to church thinking there's some God there who's really all-powerful, almighty, and, and I, I clear my throat and, and I say a few words, but, you know, I wouldn't dream of telling you my deepest heartaches and hurts and joys, you know, because this is God. No, no, no. You speak to him as you speak with a friend. It's a friend. The closer the friend is, the closer you share even your, your deepest longings, your heartache. You share with them things you'd share with no one else. Really? Yeah. It's friendship. It's relationship. That God spoke with Moses like a man speaks with his friend. Even more powerful, we won't. But for Job, because sometimes you say, yeah, but it's okay like that. But what about when you go through rough times? What about friendship sometimes when there's, you, you, you find you've, you've gone through disappointments and heartaches. How do you share these things when you're really going through testing times? Well, Job went through testing times. Lost everything. Lost his family, lost his home, lost everything, lost his health. And yet it says this of Job as he looks up to God. He says this, Job 16, my intercessor is... My friend, my intercessor is my friend. 
For he pleads with God as a man pleads for his friend. Jesus is that intercessor, ever makes intercession. But it's that friendship and the wonder of that friendship. And God is calling us into friendship. Listen to these words from John's Gospel. And uh, this is where Jesus is speaking about friendship. And here is the, the ultimate expression of that. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this to lay down his life, one's life, for one's friends. And then he looks at them and says, you are my friends. Isn't that wonderful? That's what Jesus did. Greater love has no one than this than a man leaves. He laid down his life for them. When he said to them that night, you are my friends. That's following on those very words. Greater love is knowing this than a man lays down his life for his friend. Jesus knew that this is what he's about to do. To lay down his life. Greater love is no man than this than a man lays down his life. You are my friends. And so he does it. That's the wonder of the cross. The ultimate expression of God's love to us in that forgiveness. It's made it possible. And friendship doesn't mean that we never fail. We never make mistakes. David... That friendship with God. Yet often he made desperate mistakes. But he was always willing to come back like with a friend. Real friendships are not friendships that have never known heartache or breakup or disappointment with each other. When you've learned what it is to be able to come through that. For David, Psalm 51, that amazing psalm where he humbly repents of all that he's done wrong. Confesses to God. Experiences that forgiveness. And that renewal of that joy of friendship. Renewing me the joy of my salvation. Friendship is a very wonderful thing. It's a God-given thing. It reflects the heart of God. That's why friendship is so important. Not only understanding our prayer life, the way we relate to God. We talk to him as we talk with a friend. But also, friendship is the key in our witness. You know, it's interesting, just this week we were looking at the, the Alpha course and just um, doing analysis over this break um, pandemic. We've been doing Alpha online uh, as well as live. And it's interesting to see how many people, so many people, who came to Alpha. Why? Because a friend invited me. And it was the nature of that friendship that made a difference. For most of us, you know, here, the most powerful thing we have in our witness for all of us are our friendships. Our friendships. To be able to, through those friendships, be able to invite them because we want the best for them. Uh, it's been wonderful just this past few weeks to see a number of folk who become Christians and uh, just to see where it was uh, somebody they really respected. I had even an email this morning from someone who really said something like this. He was just talking a bit about, I won't go into all, but uh, some things have happened in their life. And they said, but, but Robert, when I saw, and they were talking about a Christian they'd observed, I, I really felt I want to be like that. Their friendship has been the most significant thing in my life. And it's that that's drawn them to want to know more about Jesus. You know, you and I, we can serve the purpose of God in our generation through our relationships, through our friendships. This is the heart of God. When it said David was a man after God's heart, he was a man chosen according to God's will because God was going to fulfill his purposes through him. He made loads of mistakes, 
but even in the way he then handled those mistakes and experienced God's forgiveness and grace enabled him to be able to relate to others in new ways. You know, this week when thinking about sharing here today, was God really stirred me to sense, even in praying, I've already prayed this, so I want to pray it with you today, that for many of you here, God could stir in your heart a sense that you could actually serve the purpose of God in this generation through your friendships. Let's pray. Father, we pray now you'd come by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for friendships. Thank you that friendship itself reflects the very heart of God. Lord Jesus, that you could say of us that you are my friends. Come now by your Spirit, Lord. Help us to sense that inspiration that in the power of your Holy Spirit, even this week, we could, through our relationships, through our friendships, help others to come to know you. And Lord, that in our friendship with you, stir a fresh sense of the power of prayer as we talk with you as one talks with a friend. Help us to sense faithfulness in those friendships, those lifelong covenants that means we continue to pray for folk who we haven't seen maybe for years. Teach us, Lord, the power of friendship in Jesus' name. Amen.